Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 114 called Heidi. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about Belly for Women Prenatal, which just hit the market. 92% of women don't get even close to the 450 milligrams of recommended choline they need in their diets. And in a recent study, most prenatals don't contain much of any choline at all. Belly's women's formula includes 400 milligrams of choline. Belly did things differently when they created their prenatal. They looked at the research and they evaluated what key ingredients were needed to help women prepare their bodies to be the healthiest they can to conceive, grow, and welcome new little lives. Belly is formulated with the right nutrients to help boost your fertility, increase egg quality, and support IVF to increase your chances of conception and a healthy pregnancy. Then once you're pregnant, Belly is gentler on the stomach to reduce the effects of morning sickness made with methylated B vitamins and the right amount of choline to support your baby's development. To get started with Belly, go to bellybaby.com and use code ALLIE15 for 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLIE, A-L-I-1-5 at bellybaby.com. That's B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. Thanks, Belly. Hello, Infertile AF listeners. This is one of the three Tiffany's from Tit Talks, a podcast about modern women living in a mama world. We are four best friends that are passionate about food, drink, motherhood, the AAPI community, and all things mental and physical health. We invite you to grab a drink and join us, the three Tiffany's and Anissa, for our next podcast conversation. Check us out, Tit Talks on your favorite podcast streaming platform or tittalks.com. That's T-I-T-T-S-T-A-L-K-S.com. Connect with us soon. Okay, guys. So I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with Heidi Best, who has become a very good friend of mine. We met through Fertility Rally and then we just started talking and became close friends that bond that, you know, people in this TTC community often have. And Heidi and I have a lot in common. We're both from Chicago. We are both secondary infertility warriors. We both have had four miscarriages. And today Heidi is going to tell us all about her story and her son, Oliver, and where she is now with everything. So one thing I wanted to share that I love about Heidi is that she made this really great post recently after she had posted something and she said, sharing is what heals me. Sharing is what connected me to so many of my sisters in loss and those struggling to conceive. So she wanted to share her story today in this format to let you all know that no matter what you're going through, you are not alone. So thanks, Heidi. Without further ado, this is Heidi's infertility story. Heidi, what's up, lady? I mean, Allie, I'm so excited to get to talk to you, whether it's being recorded or not. I'm just so excited to get to talk to you. I know. <laughs> so we've become friends through Fertility Rally, but we have, I feel like we're kindred spirits because you are a shy town girl and yeah. that's where I grew up. So I'm so glad that we have gotten to be close and that I have gotten to know you. That's honestly like the the best part about doing all of this is just meeting all these incredible people, including you. So Thank you for taking the time today. So let's start at the beginning with you. Tell me about you as a young lady. Did you always want to have kids and be a mom? Well, thank you first for having me on, Allie. You know, I love you and Mm. feel the same way about you. And second, to answer your question, when I was really little, I wanted to have two little girls, of course, and that was kind of in my mindset. And then as I, you know, got older, I, I still wanted to have children, but I guess I delayed it for quite some time. My husband, as you know, is older than me. I'm going to be 40 in July. Mm -hmm. My husband is 47. So Mm -hmm. when we got married, I was 28 and I was definitely not in a rush to have children because at the time I was working for Neiman Marcus. I was very busy with clients. Um, There wasn't like 
great time that I could take off just as like a normal married Mm -hmm. adult. Like I always had to negotiate like my holidays and always had to be there the day after Thanksgiving. I remember like women that I worked with that had kids that would be like running to the fitting room to pump in between clients. And it just seemed like very chaotic. So I just wasn't in like this huge rush, but. So were um, you a personal shopper at Neiman's? Yes. Or like a stylist. Okay. That's cool. I was, gosh, I know, you know, all the lingo when you ask these questions like that. (laughs) (laughs) Now Phil has an older brother and he has a younger sister, just like a couple of years older and a couple of years younger. And so he's right in the middle and they all started having children, um, years and years and years ago. The oldest one's going to be starting college next year. And I love them. They're awesome. Uh, my niece is our, you know, goddaughter. So like, mm-hmm. I love them to bits. But I do know that a lot of like our family and like, you know, friends that obviously started having children, like shortly after they got married, you know, would ask questions like, when are you next? When are you having kids? When are you doing this? Oh, everything changes. And honestly, I am such a headstrong person that like, I could only hear that so many times before I started kind of pushing back. And I was like, well, maybe I won't have kids. Like maybe that's not for us. And maybe we just want to have fun and live our lives and be able to sleep in and go places and not have to like get a babysitter. And I just remember like maybe not dirty looks per se, but maybe some judgments on like what our choices were. And it, it just didn't make me want to have kids any sooner. If anything, listening to like the condescending remarks about when we should be starting our family mm-hmm. made me kind of revert back to like a petulant child and be like, you know what? I'm going to show you, we're going to wait forever. Right. It's like, <laughs> so, because you want me to, I'm not going yeah. to. Yeah. Because it's an issue for me. Now I'm going to make it an issue for you. And it's just like such a domino effect. And I think at a certain point we were getting older and older. And again, because Phil's older than me, he was definitely ready earlier than me, but I'd say he was being as understanding as possible, kind of waiting for me to kind of get on board with it. And I think we had a conversation before we were going to go to Europe and like, should we you know, stop taking birth control and kind of think about this and, you know, just see what happens. And I was like, you know what? Yes. I think I was like 36 maybe. And I was like, yeah, like at that point I had already left Neiman's. I was working for myself. I had a ton of freedom in that. And it was like, why not? Right. Like we've done so many fun things. We're going to Europe. So like, there's nothing in my bucket list that I'm like, I haven't done this. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Europe. We had a wonderful time. We came back and I want to say maybe in the late spring of 2017, where we actively started trying. And I remember that first month of trying the next month when obviously my period was due, my period came and I kind of was like, oh, you know, sucks. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. That's a real reaction. Like I'm actually upset that I'm not pregnant. So like, Mm. this is the right path for us. Like, great. So then that month, my husband was like out of town for work, like all the time. And so I honestly think that we were only like (laughs) intimate, like once. Mm -hmm. And I, remember the next month we, you know, we're going to go visit family. His family lives in Indianapolis and my period hadn't come. And I'm like every 28 days, very regular. So I was like, interesting, but I didn't necessarily think I was pregnant because I was like, we really did only have sex one time. And yes, I know that you can have, you know, like get pregnant off of, you know, having sex one time, I just didn't think that was going to happen for me, but I took a pregnancy test and it was negative. So I was like, okay, see, I'm, I'm not pregnant. It's just, I'm just a little late. So we went to Indianapolis, you know, we spent the weekend there with family, came home, my period still had to come. And I just kept kind of testing every few days and it just kept saying negative. And a week after my period still hadn't come, I took another pregnancy test and it was positive. So I was like, holy shit, I'm <laughs> pregnant. And this oh really, God. really happened. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this really happened after like having sex one time. Right. And so I was like, okay. So I like ran downstairs, my husband's office. And I was like, guess what? And he was like, what? And I like showed him the pregnancy test and he was like, 
holy shit. But we were like literally only together one time. I was like, I guess that's all it took. Wow. So I like, so that was that. And I, you know, I called my doctor's office, like my women's group and just like said, Hey, I just took a positive pregnancy test. We, you know, are going out of town. We were going to go to Arizona a couple of days later. And they're like, okay, like no problem. Why don't you come in tomorrow? We'll do a blood test and confirm your pregnancy. And like, we'll go from there. I was like, great. I go in the next day, take a blood test, and then they kind of pass you over to a nurse practitioner. And she was like, you know, we'll get the results of your blood test tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, she's like, you know, ask me routine questions like, when was your last menstrual period? And how long are your cycles usually? And, you know, yada, 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 gave me like a bag full of different prenatals to start. And that was it. And I realized in that first appointment how little I knew about things surrounding being pregnant. The blood test I realized had a name to it, which was an HCG test. Um, she explained what that was. I was thinking that I was like a week pregnant because I'm like, okay, I, I'm a week late for my period. And she was like, do you know how babies are born? <laughs> like she didn't really ask that, but it was like really funny. She was like laughing because she was like, we date your pregnancy back to your last menstrual period. So I was thinking, I guess I was thinking maybe I was like a few weeks pregnant and she was like, oh no, you're, you're like five weeks pregnant, a little over five weeks. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm over a month pregnant. This is like insanity to me. And I was just like learning about this thing in real time. So it was like crazy. Yeah. Wait, um, can we unpack that for a yeah, second? Because I want to talk sure. about one of my favorite things is just sex ed and how, <laughs> how little we know about our own bodies. You know, we do talk about this a lot in various forms, but like, my God, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about, you know, like the different phases of menstruation and the different, like, I literally was like, all I knew was have sex. You'll get pregnant if you're not careful and you get a period. And like, that was, it was so basic what I knew. So did you kind of have the same general knowledge like, it was um, just like Ellie, I didn't realize how hard it was to get pregnant. Okay. Well, Allie, I'll tell you something that maybe one other person knows. And that one other person is my husband. When I was in like eighth grade health class, I believe, or maybe it was seventh grade health class is one or the other, but it was like in middle school. I remember the health teacher did like an icebreaker and basically he had put a post-it note on everybody's back and it said a different reproductive organ. Okay. And on my back was the post-it and it said scrotum on it. Mm -hmm. Now I come from a single mom. We did really did not cover too much with birds and bees before public school. I was going to Catholic school. We definitely did not cover that. So everybody like two minutes before the class ended had guessed what was on their post-it by people giving them little hints, except for me. I'm on mm -hmm. one side of the room 25 kids are on the other side of the room, like screaming hints at me. And I cannot guess this word for the life of me because I had no idea what they're talking about. And finally the health teacher was like, okay, you're obviously not getting this. The post-it says scrotum. And I'm like, am I supposed to know what that is? And therein lies the beginning of my like education into reproductive systems. And I totally. knew nothing. And I never even tried to research it. Phil is the only person I've ever been in, in like an intimate relationship with because mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. wanted to wait till marriage. So I've only been with one person my entire life. And I just felt like, because that was the choice I was making, I really didn't invest any sort of time in like learning a whole lot of things. I just thought I would like learn it with him. So, right. no, so now I every didn't time know I anything. Every time I hear the word scrotum, I'm going to think of you, yes. Heidi. <laughs> yes. This but is also, like... it's such a weird, that is a weird word. I mean, yeah. Sonny, actually, my five-year-old, he coined his penis and balls. He calls it his gun and his bullets. And I was like, oh that's perfect because that's what it looks like. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I have kid. obviously, yeah, I have Oliver. So like I can right now, I, he says penis. Like when I'm yeah. like washing him in the bathtub and I'll say, okay, I'm going to go wash your penis. He'll say penis. Or like, if he's like right. smacking it around, I'll say penis. So like for now he says penis, but you know, a few years from now, when he's Sonny's age now, I'll make sure and check back in with you and say, oh, this is Oliver's <laughs> name for his penis. <laughs> right. 
all right, so now you're pregnant and you're like, oh yeah. shit, it's easy to get so, pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> that's so how I, wait, Heidi, that's how I felt too. When I got pregnant with ever, you know, we were, we didn't start to try till I was older, like 34. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully it only took a few months and I got pregnant and that's why I found myself. And this is what you and I have in, co- have in common. That's why I found myself in the secondary infertility world. Cause I had no fucking clue that it was, yeah. so, it was going to be so hard. Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know. Like, here's the thing. The next day, Phil and I were in the cab on the way to the airport going to Arizona and the nurse practitioner called and she was like, hi, Heidi, you're just going to call and go over the results of your HUG test yesterday. She was like, um, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, like, yay. And she was like, so I just want to explain a few things. She was like, when we were checking your HCG level, she was like, based on how, you know, your last menstrual period, how far along you are. I remember I said, you're kind of like roughly around five weeks. She was like, there's a very wide range that that number can be in. And it can be anywhere from like, we see like 200 to like 7,000. So like a really big range. She was like yesterday when we checked the HCG level in your blood, it came back right above 200. So you're right within that normal range. She's like, what we want you to do is we want you to come back in a week and we want you to repeat that blood test. What we're hoping for is that every 48 to 72 hours, that HCG level is doubling. So, um, that's what we want you to do when you come back from your vacation. She was like, you know, you're well within, she's like, you're in the normal range, but you're just at like the lower end. So hopefully when you come back next week, you're further along, um, we'll see a much higher number. And so just that tiny, tiny little negative piece of it kind of crept into my mind. And I just remember while we were on vacation, like every time I went to the bathroom, I was looking for blood because she was like, what we want you to look for this next week. Like, are you having any cramping? Are there any spotting happening? You know, just kind of little markers for us. And you can certainly call us and let us know. So she definitely let me know that there was like reason to be cautiously optimistic, but also that there could potentially be something going on. And so Mm. we had a great time in our vacation, but I, I did have this in kind of the back of my mind, but at the end of the trip, like nothing had happened. I didn't have cramping. Um, there was no spotting. So I started to kind of feel like good, you know what I mean? And so then I went back the next week for my repeat blood draw. And the next day she called and like her tone of voice was totally different. And she was like, okay, remember how I explained everything with like the HCG levels? She was like, Last week, it was a little over 200. Um, Now, this is a full week later, and you're at like, I think she was like, you're at 500. So in like an entire week, it had only Mm. risen like once and then a little bit more. So she was like, what we're kind of thinking is it's possible that this isn't a viable pregnancy. Having said that, it's possible that you could be having a miscarriage. It's also possible that this could be an ectopic pregnancy. And that means that it could have been planted somewhere else. And that's why you don't have very like high rising um, HCG levels. And in certain cases of ectopic pregnancy, it could be life-threatening. So now I'm like, not only is this most likely not a viable pregnancy, but it's also a pregnancy that could like cause harm to me. So I was like freaking out. She's like, let's have you come back in tomorrow and let's do another repeat blood draw and like, let's just see what's going on. And so I went back the next day. She called me the day after and I think it was at like 700. So um, she was like, it's already starting to plateau. We want you to come in today for an ultrasound. We want to see if we see like a sac or a fetal pull. We can identify if this is an ectopic pregnancy. So I basically just like jumped in the car raced to my doctor's office and, you know, they bring me back to the ultrasound room. The stenographer, um, puts what I know is now like Wanda, um, you know, (laughs) in kind of in, and that was like the first time that I kind of ever saw what like the inside of my uterus looks like. And she was like, Oh, well, here's the sack. Um, I don't see a fetal pull. And I'm like, what the fuck is a fetal pull? And she's like, but it just kind of looks like you're earlier in your pregnancy. So she was like, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll, you know, put you in a different room and the doctor will come and talk to you. But like, it just looks like you're a little bit earlier in your pregnancy. So I'm just thinking like, oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe I'm, my dates were wrong or like maybe 
you know, something, but I still thought that like, this could still turn out okay. And so then the doctor comes in and she was like, hi, Heidi, you know, I, I talked to the stenographer. I looked at the ultrasound and like your blood results. And basically what this is, is you're having a miscarriage. Mm. So I was just kind of like, what the fuck? And I, the wind just felt like it completely got knocked out of me. My face Mm. was like so hot and I just didn't understand what was going on. And she was just like, you know, this happens. We don't think it's an ectopic pregnancy, but um, we can't hundred percent rule it out. She was like, based on your levels, like your HCG levels already plateauing. I would expect that you could kind of like go through the process of having your miscarriage, like in the next few days or so. And, you know, it was like this summer. So we had a lot of plans that weekend to be out and about and go to people's parties. And I just mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. her just saying, you're early enough along, you know, like, I think I was like eight weeks. She was like that. This should be a relatively easy experience for you to go through at home. She was like, I don't think that you'll need any sort of medication or medical intervention. You know, you should be able to just go through this and, you know, we'll have you come back in a couple of weeks after it happens and we'll do a repeat HCG test just to make sure that your levels are going back down. And that's how we can kind of rule out that it's an ectopic pregnancy. And she was like, certainly call us if, you know, anything out of the ordinary happens. But um, other than that, we'll just have you come back after your, your next period and you can, you know, try again and just kind of like set me on my way. Didn't give me any expectations on what to expect from the miscarriage. Didn't like refer me out to like a support group or a counselor or a therapist, nothing just was like, you'll be fine. This is normal. And so I think it was a Friday. I came home and I told my husband and I was just like, so upset. And I was like, you know, we have a lot of plans this weekend. I was like, I cannot imagine this happening while we're out and about. I was like, can you do me a favor? And can you just kind of like honor our commitments? And I'm just going to stay home and kind of like wait for this to happen. Cause really all I was expecting was just to bleed. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I don't want to like bleed, like at a bar bleed at like a friend's house. Like, I just want to go through this at home. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, really? I like, don't need you over my shoulder while this is happening. Like whatever. And he was like, oh my God, Heidi. Okay. So I'm waiting, 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 nothing happens. And then Monday I had literally, I had just signed up and gotten approved, gone through training to be like a baby cuddler. And so Monday was like my first shift on being like a baby cuddler at like the university of Chicago. They have like a baby cuddling program. Oh my gosh. I was like, what? I thought you said a baby cobbler. And I was like, like making baby shoes, (laughs) a cuddler. That's so sweet. So my first shift was on that Monday and I literally started bleeding like an hour before I was supposed to be there. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what it is. And so I like go, I work my four hour shift. I'm just like bleeding. It's like nothing big. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. My husband leaves on Tuesday for a business trip and you know, I'm still like kind of spotty and I'm bleeding and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just like laying in our bed, um, watching TV. And all of a sudden I just have like this debilitating stabbing pain that's going from like my stomach through my back. It's just like sore going straight through. And I am like, what is happening now at the time we had like all of our medications in our kitchen and we have like an on in our house at the time we had like an ensuite bathroom. And that's as far as I could go. I could not get to the kitchen to get like ibuprofen. And I honestly considered calling the ambulance because I thought, I thought something was horribly wrong. I thought I was dying. Like I was like this, what is happening? Um, I guess what was happening is I was having like, I was probably, I was passing tissue, right? Like that's what was happening. Um, I never looked down in the toilet. I just flushed whatever happened away. And then the next morning I woke up that was basically it. Like, I don't remember like 99.9% of what happened that night. I just remember I couldn't move and it was the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And Mm -hmm. so the next morning I was just spotting a little bit and I just continued spotting on and off until the following Monday. So basically Monday to Monday. And I remember Tuesday night just being like the worst of it. And then I went back in for like repeat beta, um, which I guess some people call HGG, you know, test betas and that's fine too. And I remember the phlebotomist that like 
took my blood draw was like, oh my God, do you think you're pregnant? And I was like, Uh I was like, no, I just had a miscarriage and they're following my blood levels back down to zero. And she like stuck me with the needle and like ran the fuck out. Like (laughs) she was just like, peace. Oh my God. I also don't know how you were able to cuddle babies while you were having a miscarriage. Like that's like, oh, that must've been so gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. I mean, it wasn't gut-wrenching because I, I felt good because they're in the hospital and I felt like, you know, I'm providing a service and this is as close as I can be to a baby right now since I won't be having one. You know what I mean? But I do remember like a little girl in like the daycare at the hospital um, was like, do you, do you have any kids? And I just was like, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of gut-wrenching. But in terms of like the actual cuddling, it was very cathartic. And I felt like this is what I need. So I just remember it was a really long month, right? Like I couldn't figure out what to do. Like, I wasn't sure if I should tell anyone. I wasn't sure. Like, I just didn't have any guidance. You know, it just was like, good luck to you kind of deal. And I just remember thinking, I'm really sad. I'm really upset, but I was really excited to be pregnant. I switched the settings on like my app that was tracking my pregnancy to healing from loss. And it immediately kind of filters you into um, the chat portion of their app where you're with other people that are healing from like miscarriages or stillbirths. And I remember Mm -hmm. some of these women were sharing things that had helped them. And one woman was sharing after her miscarriage, she had bought a book called Empty Cradle, Broken Heart, and that that had really helped her deal with her miscarriage. And so then I like went on Amazon and ordered it. And then another woman was like, I started to learn more about my body after my miscarriage. And I wanted to be more proactive on when my husband and I were trying to conceive and pay attention to like when I was ovulating. And she was like, so I ordered this digital ovulation tracker and literally the next month, like we got pregnant. So Mm -hmm. she, I was like, okay. So then I ordered that and I just told my husband, I was like, you know what? This is sad and I can be sad and we can be sad together. But I was like, I also don't want to lose momentum. Everybody seems to think that it's so great that we got pregnant with like little to no effort that like, sometimes you can be your most fertile after that because like your body knows what to do. And so I was like, you know, a friend kind of reached out that knew what had happened and said, I had a miscarriage too. Somebody referred me to this acupuncturist that like specializes in fertility assistance. I got pregnant right away. So I started doing that. And I remember my mom had just retired and was like going to Seattle and Canada for like, kind of like a, I'm retired and I'm going to go on this trip. And so I was like, mom, can I, can I meet you, um, in Seattle? Can I, can I go on part of your trip with you? And she was like, Oh my God, so great. Yes. And cause like Phil was going to be out of town for work and I'm like, why not? Right. And so I brought the digital ovulation kit with me. I met my mom in Seattle. We had like a really great few days together. Um, we were walking through this open air market and this lady had this stand with, um, all of these like little baby clothes. And one of them was like a little onesie with like a dog on it. And the dog looked like, just like our Vishla Wrigley. And it's, it's a breed that if you have it, you recognize other people that have it. But if you're just like, Oh, I have like a dachshund or I have like a pit bull. Like it's not a dog that you'd be like, Oh, I see these all over the place. So it was like kind of unusual to see it. And I was like, okay, there's no reason why I should want to buy this onesie, but I'm like, I swear that's Wrigley on it. And that's got to be like a good sign. And my mom was like, can I buy it for you? Oh, which is like a good luck purchase. And I was like, yes. And I just remember this is the first thing I'm going to have for this baby that I haven't met yet. And it was like such a great moment. Um, Mm. I had like been tracking while I was in Seattle with this like digital ovulation kit. And it was like, the day I left Seattle to go back home, Phil was coming back home too. Our flights were landing like within an hour of each other. So he waited at the airport and that was like the first day of like my peak ovulation. So it was like that weekend, let's just say like 
Bill and I like <laughs> made up for like last time and I like right. showed you, him the onesie. You pulled it like a Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> like total pulled a Bridgerton for sure. Oh and my God. I showed, him the, I showed him the onesie and he was like, oh my God, that's so great. And literally like that next cycle, my period didn't come. Like I got pregnant like a month after my miscarriage, like the very next month. And so I was so excited. I obviously had a little bit of PTSD about going in for a blood test because of my most recent experience, which had just happened. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, you know what? I'm not going to ruin this pregnancy by being scared. I, this is what I'm working for. This is what I want. I'm ready. We're ready. I am literally whatever happens. Like if I am throwing up around the clock, if I gain like a hundred pounds, I'm like, (laughs) I don't care. I am just going to open my arms and welcome this pregnancy. And that's it. And so I I remember we were literally going to like Carmel, like a couple of days later. And I really was having like major PTSD because it was like, I'd be going in for a beta. Then the next day going to Carmel, just like, you know, the previous like couple of months when, you know, we're going to Arizona. So I was just like, shit, please do not let this be history repeating itself. And I didn't want to tell Phil that I was pregnant because I just, I wanted to get my blood draw. I wanted to like tell him in a better way than like throwing the pregnancy test at him. Mm -hmm. So I had like reached, I just was like, we were like just casually talking and I was like, you know, we're going to be in Carmel in a couple of days. We've never gone. It's a super beautiful location. Do this may sound dumb, but do you have like any interest in taking pictures while we're there? And we can like have these really great pictures of us. And also we could save a couple for like a holiday card down the road. He was like, Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. Like that's so cool. And so I like reached out to a photographer and I told her I am like literally like five seconds pregnant and I want to surprise my husband. I'm like, can we take pictures for like a holiday card, but then at the end, I'll give you like a signal. And then I'm going to tell him that I'm pregnant and you can like capture it on film. She's like, Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) We get to Carmel and it was like a Wednesday and the doctor's office called to give me my HCG results. And so I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom really quick. And she was like, Heidi, congratulations. You're pregnant. And she was like, your numbers are insane. Like this is Awesome. Still want you to have you come back next week for a repeat because we just want to make sure that they keep progressing. But like, this is not like last time, like feel good about this while you're on your trip. So I just was like, oh my God. And so a couple of days later, we had the, you know, photo session and with the photographer, her name is Rachel. She's really, really good. And we took like our pictures. I had packed that onesie that my mom had given us. And so when I gave Rachel the signal, I like pulled it out from the back of my pants. I like had it tucked in the waistband of my pants and I pulled it out and Phil was like, oh my God, like, are you serious? He was like, I don't even understand how this is possible because like literally it was just a month later. And so Rachel got so many really, really good pictures. And we had like a couple of days more in Carmel and it was just like the best the best trip. And, you know, so cool. And I love it's so Chicago that your dog is named Wrigley. (laughs) I I love that. Please hold for a quick ad break. Guys, I want to tell you all about Green Chef, the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well, easy and affordable with plans that fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped, so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. I can vouch that Green Chef is easy and delicious. This afternoon, I made a recipe called Veggie and Bean Stuffed Peppers. Everything came portioned in the box. The instructions were super easy to follow. And 30 minutes later, I was eating a really yummy, low-carb, plant-based meal. And I also had leftovers. So guys, give it a try. Go to greenchef.com slash 90infertileaf and use code 90infertileaf to get $90 off, including free shipping. Again, that's greenchef.com backslash 
90 infertile AF and use code 90 infertile AF to get $90 off, including free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Thanks, Green Chef. This is Oliver. Yeah, this is okay. so this is Oliver. I had like an extremely normal, normal pregnancy. I like worked out every single day of my pregnancy. I literally had like the best time. Um, just it was the best. He was just happy as a clam. So I had, um, he ended up getting, I got induced. So I had him, um, just a couple of days after my 40 week appointment. And it was like the best experience, best playlist, loved, 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 um, the doctor that delivered him. And we just spent like the next year just enjoying Oliver. It was Mm -hmm. awesome. And I, I thought that like that time in my life, such a brief, brief moment in my life was over, you know? And I remember when Oliver was like nine months, my husband and I were like, you know, should we try now? Like, should we, you know, my birth control they were giving me was like a three month supply with three refills. So at nine months, you know, at the end, I was obviously done with birth control and could either ask for a refill or I could not. And so we decided not to. And my second cycle off of birth control, we got pregnant. I like literally just found out right after Oliver turned one and we were going to Michigan for a few days just to enjoy, you know, like a trip as a family. I reached out to like a local photographer for there thought, you know, we could kind of do the same thing that we did when I surprised Phil with Oliver. And I just wanted to have that kind of like same experience, but surprising Phil and Oliver. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had ordered like a little shirt for Oliver to wear. And it was like big brother to be, I had put like a little zip up kind of like nautical cardigan over him. So Phil couldn't see the t-shirt and the photographer took some great family pictures. I mean, really, really great family pictures. And then same kind of deal, gave him the cue. And he was like, Oh, you know, is Oliver getting a little hot? Do you want to take off his little sweatshirt? And I was like, Oh sure. I'll take it off. And so I took it off (laughs) and it took Phil like a minute to like notice the t-shirt. And then he did. And he like, literally was like crying slash laughing. He was like, I cannot believe this did not register that you were doing this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now he's like, every time we do a photo shoot, you're going to announce that you're pregnant. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, it was kind of the same deal, just like a very normal pregnancy. And I remember Labor Day weekend, we went to Indianapolis to spend the weekend with his family and, you know, he really wanted to tell them that we were pregnant. I really didn't because we were like just about to be 12 weeks. And I just like, I'd like to be in my second trimester and you know, whatever. And he was like, Heidi, really? Like, this just seems like such a great time. Like, when are we going to be with them again? And I was like, okay. Okay. And so then we told them and then literally that night I started spotting and it was, I think like Sunday night, we we're going to come back on Monday to Chicago. And yeah, I, oh, yes, I think that's cool. when it happened. And I'm so, so I just sorry. like, Oh my God, like what's going on. And so I had called the doctor's office. She was like, listen, spotting can be totally normal. She was like, but you're due for your ultrasound this week anyways. So she was like, let's put you, you know, book you in tomorrow when you guys come back. So it must've been like, I think it must've been Monday night and we're coming back Tuesday morning. So she's like, come back, come in on Tuesday and we'll get you in for the ultrasound. I'm sure everything is going to be fine. And I was like, okay, Tuesday, we leave first thing. Uh, My best friend um, was just living like a few doors down. And so she was like, I'll come over. I'll watch Oliver. You can go to the ultrasound and we're just going to make this happen. So I was like, okay, I drop Oliver home. We go to the um, women's group. And on the way there, I get a call from the genetic counselor. And she was like, hi, Heidi. I just wanted to go over your genetic counseling panel with you. You know, it's now a good time. And I was like, sure. She's like, great. You know, everything looks good. Um, everything came back negative for any genetic like abnormalities, chromosomal abnormalities. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. And she's like, would you like to know the gender? And I was like, yes. And she was like, it's a girl. Congratulations. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Thank you so much. This makes me feel so much better. We're actually on the way to my women's group right now. Cause I had a little spotting, but this awesome. Like, thank you so, so much. And she was like, great. You know, talk to you soon. So I go in, we're running super late. So Phil drops me off. And while he's parking, they bring me back to the ultrasound room and the stenographer is trying, you know, she's like putting Wanda in whatever. And 
I don't see any sort of flickering on the screen. I definitely see a baby, but I don't see any flickering. She's not really saying anything. And I'm like, you don't see a heartbeat, do you? And she was like, I am so sorry. No, I don't. And like one second later, Phil locks it in. And so he's like, everything looking good (laughs) and like still riding high from like the genetic counselor's phone call. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, why don't you calm and sit down? And so he's like, okay. And so I'm like, it's okay. You can tell him. And so she was just like, you know, I'm so sorry, but there's no longer a heartbeat. She was like, I'm going to step out for a second. I'm going to get one of the nurse practitioners and we're going to bring you to another room so you guys can talk. I'm really so very sorry. And I remember, I mean, again, the wind just kind of totally got knocked out of me. And I literally had just found out within the hour that it was a girl and that the panel that we had done um, came back negative. So I was just so confused. But I just was like, you know what? I just wonder if I should tell him that it's a girl and just get it all out there. So now it's done. So I just told him he started crying, you know, I was crying and, um, the nurse practitioner came in and we talked and she had just said, you know, I know you were able to have a miscarriage at home last time before Oliver, because you were early enough long, but she was like, you know, you're going to be 12 weeks, like in a couple of days, she was like, we could give you medication to speed up the process, but it's not always effective at fully removing all of the tissue. And then it's mm-hmm. possible that you'd have to come back and have a DNC anyways. Mm-hmm. So she was like, what we'd like for you to do is come back tomorrow and have a DNC. And she kind of explained the process and that it was a surgery to remove, you know, obviously all of the um, tissue from the pregnancy that the advantage of doing that is that they could you know, send it out for testing and find out like what had happened. Mm -hmm. And there was really no time to think about it. Although she did say we could take some time, but she also wanted to let me know that we could do it as early as the next day. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like, I'm just going to say yes. And like, just move forward with this because I don't want to have time to think about it. And I also don't want the process to like, kind of start And then I don't have a choice of having it. So we scheduled the appointment. I went in the next morning and I had a DNC and I'd say probably four to six weeks later, um, the doctor called me with like the results. And I will say the silver lining of that first DNC experience was that the doctor that delivered Oliver performed my DNC. So Mm -hmm. I felt like incredibly safe and comforted knowing that you know, she delivered Oliver and she would be delivering this baby too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when she had called me, she said that the abnormality was, it was um, trisomy 14 and like not compatible with life. And I was a little confused how we got the genetic kind of clear on like the testing that we had done. And she was like, well, the base level testing tests, like the most common I guess, chromosomal abnormalities. So like 13, 18, and 21. And so she said 14 is not a part of that. So that's why you got a, you know, negative, you know, on that test, but that it in fact was a different abnormality that did not show up on the test. I was like, okay. She was like, wait for your next cycle. I think this is a total fluke. I don't, this is not related to your first miscarriage. Like this is just a fluke. So just like, wait until your next cycle and try again. I listened to what she said and I still love her and she's amazing. And I love my women's group, but I now know that it wasn't a fluke because I've since then had two more miscarriages and they have not been the same trisomies. My trisomy after that was trisomy 16 and, or excuse me, my trisomy after that, I had an, an additional pregnancy and it was two trisomies. It was three and 21. And then this last pregnancy was trisomy 16. So none of my pregnancies that I've had DNCs for were the same trisomy. So there's no like pattern, wow. um, except so wait, for the fact, mm-hmm. sorry. So you, That's okay. you've had three DNCs now. I've had three DNCs. Oh, um, I, <laughs> yeah. Since you and I are friends and I have such a deep level of respect for you, I just was like, I can tell you, you know, my first miscarriage, I can tell you about Oliver. I can Mm -hmm. tell you about that second miscarriage. And then in terms of the third and the fourth, I can just tell you that 
we did try right away. Mm -hmm. I did get pregnant on my second cycle again. It was a very normal pregnancy and it progressed nicely. I didn't want to mess around with doing the base level kind of chromosomal genetic testing. So I asked them if I could pay to have the full 23 pairs checked. My insurance would cover the base level testing, but we paid like almost a thousand dollars for like the entire, um, what this genetic counseling company calls a full genome panel. So when the counselor called me back on the next pregnancy, she said it was coming back ironically for trisomy 21, which would have been on the base level testing. (laughs) So I basically, we paid money out of pocket just to be told that it was like a trisomy that would have showed up on the base level testing anyway. But how are you to know that? Of course. And you want to cover all the bases, obviously. So I think you did the right thing. Totally. And she, I felt really bad for her because nobody wants to be the person that like delivers that news. And she was like, you're supposed to go in tomorrow for your 12 week ultrasound, but I'd like to change it to an amniocentesis to either confirm that in fact, this is a trisomy pregnancy or rule it out. And that, you know, it's, it's false. It's just, it got flagged and it shouldn't be. And it's a normal pregnancy. And I was like, okay. So she was like, well, I'm going to try and make that happen and get you in for the amniocentesis. And then I'm going to call you back. And then I was like, well, wait, before you hang up, can you, can you tell me the gender? And she's like, you still want to know. And that's kind of when I was like upset because I was like, well, regardless of how this pregnancy turns out, like I want to know what was inside me. I want to know if I'm supposed to be grieving a baby, like I'll never ever get that first pregnancy back. I don't know if it was a boy. I don't know if it was a girl. I was completely like fucked on that deal because the doctor was just like, have a miscarriage at home and you'll be fine. And it's normal. And it just made me feel like it was like gender neutral. Like I don't want a gender neutral miscarriage. Like I want to have like a a name to it so I can like grieve him or her properly. Right. Whereas like my pregnancy after Oliver, I knew it was a girl. We named her. When I celebrate her, I can say her name. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know it for this one too. And she's like, okay, well, based on what the findings are, you're having a girl. And so I was like, that hurt a lot because that was another girl. Aww. And then it just kind of hurt that I felt like she was kind of just giving up on me and giving up on the baby because she didn't even want to be forthcoming about that. And so, you know, we hung up and I was expecting a phone call back. And like literally within an hour, I started spotting and I was like, fuck you, body. Like you couldn't have presented this miscarriage at any point in my pregnancy until somebody said, this is most likely not going to be a, a, you know, a healthy pregnancy. And I Mm -hmm. just was like, really, I had like a lot of PTSD right? and I had a lot of deja vu and I just called the women's group and was just like, okay, this is what's going on. And now I started spotting. She was like, okay, don't come in for an amniocentesis. Come in for the ultrasound. We'll listen um, with a fetal Doppler first. If we don't hear anything, we'll move over to an ultrasound and we'll see what's what. This could be completely unrelated. Try and stay calm. And so I, the next, you know, that night, I was like laying in bed. I was like holding my stomach, which I freaking had no stomach. So it was just like a gesture. And I just was like talking to my baby and just telling her, we can do this. We're going to make it through the night. I believe in you. Like, I love you. Like, we're going to be fine. And so just like trying to say like positive things. And so then the next morning I went in and the nurse practitioner tried to find a heartbeat with a fetal Doppler and couldn't find one. And then we moved over to the ultrasound room and I just asked her if she'd stay with me because Phil wasn't with me. And she was like, yes, of course. So she like held my hand while the stenographer tried to find a heartbeat. And she said, I'm so sorry. There's no longer a heartbeat. She was like, I know this is really painful, but I want to take a few pictures so I can pass this along to the doctor. And I said, yes, that's fine. And I really, really, really looked on the screen because I wanted to see her and just get one last look. And she said, "Uh, one thing I want to tell you is she's like, I know that you're 12 weeks along. It looks like she probably stopped growing around like nine weeks, Mm -hmm. which that is when I lost it because we had 
got in for the eight week ultrasound, like literally a few days after Christmas, she had a higher heart rate than Oliver did at that point. Yeah. And then it literally within days, her heart stopped and I continued growing the pregnancy, thinking I'm pregnant, getting excited, walking around like an idiot. And then to find out a month later that I was basically like carrying around what can only be considered like material, like genetic material and not really like a growing, thriving baby. I just felt like, why is this happening? Like, what, what did I do? And yeah, completely. Well, you're like not, too- not an idiot at all. It's so common to feel I know, that way. So it like, I don't mean miscarriage is so common. I'm discounting what you're saying. I'm saying like, just so common to feel like, why me? What the fuck? (laughs) I never thought this was going to be my story. You know, like, you know, how is, how is Phil doing emotionally? And how are you guys as a couple? I, I mean, we're good. It's just, I think at that point, I just was like, this isn't a fluke. Like the first thing that I thought of was like that my doctor had said the last miscarriage was a fluke. I was like, this isn't a fluke, you know? And I remember I was like, I don't want to go in for a DNC. I don't want to go in for a DNC. And because I had had one in September. This is now January of 2020. And I was like, I don't, I just don't. And we already know that it was twice to be 21. And the nurse practitioner was like, Heidi, I know, I know. But she was like, on the slim chance that it, that isn't why you lost the pregnancy or she was like, again, you're far enough along that like, we want it to be like a clean, you know, miscarriage. And she was like, we can still test it. And we might find that it wasn't actually trisomy 21 and that it was something else. So she's like, wouldn't you want to know? And wouldn't you also want to have like a safer miscarriage? And I was like, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I like went in the next day, I was in the same fucking pre-op room, the same surgical room, like practically the same surgical team, except for the doctor was like a different doctor at my women's group. And she, she fucking left so much tissue behind that I kid you not four nights later, I, well, I, I sent my husband, like he was going to Portugal for work and like he was like, I can't go. I can't go. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to be with like all the global executives of your company. Like you have to go. Like, what does he do for work? He is a sales executive Mm. for like a global, like technology um, company. And Mm. I just was like, I cannot be any more of a burden than I've already been. And I'm like, you know, you're going to be here when I get my DNC. I have a few days to recover before you leave. We've gone through this before. We know what to expect. I was like, as long as I'm feeling fine, like, please go. And I, I even took a client the next day, you know what I mean? And so then I remember I had the... I think I had the DNC on like a Thursday. He left on Saturday and on Monday night, I was like watching TV and Oliver was like sleeping, obviously. And I got up and felt like an incredible, like whoosh of just oh. liquid. And I'm thinking, holy shit, did I just like literally pee all over myself? Which is <laughs> like not out of the realm of possibility. And so I go to the bathroom and I pull my pants down and it is like nothing I've ever seen before. Like I can't even begin. It was so much blood and not just blood, but also like just red gelatinous material. Mm. It wasn't like clots. Like I know what a blood clot is, but like, it was like something else. Uh And I was like, Oh my God, I sent Phil away. I'm by myself. It's nine o'clock at night. I'm going to die. Oliver's going to die. And because no one's here to get him up. And so I like literally called my best friend and she didn't answer. So then I called her husband and I was so mortified that I had to like give him like the Cliff's notes version of what was going on. But, um, her parents were in town because her son just turned one. They were still in town. So I just was like, can you please, can you come over or can somebody come over? Can somebody take me to the hospital? And so what ended up happening is uh, my best friend, Jill, 
and her mom, Franny came over. Franny stayed at my house, um, in case Oliver got up and Jill took me to the emergency room and I just kept bleeding, bleeding, bleeding chunks, material, everything coming out. Everybody at the emergency room had masks on because like literally COVID was like just starting to like get pretty big. It was like towards the end of January. And so we get there and I'm like, holy shit, what is going on? And so we put masks on, they give me an IV and like triage me, but they're like, it's probably going to be a while before we can see you. And so anything really that they could have tested was like gone at that point. Like Mm -hmm. I had continued having the same experience, like at the bathroom at Northwestern, Mm -hmm. you know, everywhere, except for like with an actual doctor. By the time I did see a doctor and was like explaining what happened, he brought like members of their OB team in. they did all sorts of different testing and ultrasounds. He said, based on what we're seeing, what it sounds like is you had quite a bit of products of conception still left behind. Mm. And that's once it kind of was losing blood supply and kind of like detached from your uterus and started coming out, then any blood that was pooling behind it then came out with it. So he was just like, it's basically like the dam broke. He was like, the good thing is your body is doing what it's supposed to do. The bad news is it kind of feels like you're having a miscarriage all over again, which obviously is very painful and traumatic. And he was like, I'm sorry. He was like, I have seen this before. It's not super common, but if you know, it, it, it can happen. They basically do a couple of sweeps of your uterus when they're doing a DNC. It's not like they have a camera or necessarily an ultrasound guiding them. So there is some room for this to happen. He was like, I'm, I'm so sorry, but it seems like at this point, there isn't anything left up there. He was like, I'm going to refer you back to your OB's office next week. And you can kind of have them do an ultrasound and do like an HCG test and just double check and make sure that like pretty much everything is gone. And that's what I did. I was super, super, super upset um, for obviously like just like obvious reasons. When the genetic testing came back on that DNC, it, it was a trisomy 21, but as I had mentioned briefly, it was also a trisomy three, which was like incredibly frustrating to me because when the genetic counselor had originally called and said it was high risk for 21, she didn't say anything about it also being high risk for three. So I guess when you get like a full panel done, there's a little bit of room for error and certain percentages or certain algorithms kind of ding a high risk. And then other percentages and other kind of algorithms can kind of do a low risk. So it was low risk maybe for three based on the sampling of what they got for my blood. But in reality, if I hadn't have been high risk for 21, it's possible that my, my pregnancy could have progressed just a little bit longer. And it could have been obviously later in my pregnancy when I had a miscarriage. So I I was just like frustrated that I didn't get all of the information up front when I went out of my way to say, based on my history, I want to pay for this full panel testing. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of like goes to show you that like, there is a bit of a disconnect between you as a patient and what information gets relayed to you in like real time, even if you have a history of like this happening. Right. So that was kind of like a whole nother thing. And my nurse practitioner at the time was like, listen, I'm going to refer you to a reproductive endocrinologist. I used to be his nurse. He works with a lot of patients that have had recurrent miscarriage. If and when you're ready, like Heidi, you can still have another baby. It's just going to look a little bit different than maybe you thought it would. Mm -hmm. And so in February, you know, we had made an appointment with him. We both got diagnostics at the fertility clinic. And when we met with him to go over it, he basically just said, you know, Phil looks great. You look great with the exception of like your AMH, you have very low AMH. But he said, clearly you can get pregnant. Clearly Phil can like fertilize an egg. It's just, he's fertilizing bad eggs. And with most women, if it's like a bad egg, it doesn't get fertilized. Or if it does get fertilized, you'll usually miscarry before you even know you're pregnant. For you you're not only getting like these eggs fertilized, but you're getting pregnant and your pregnancy is going like kind of till the end of your first trimester. So he was like, because of all of this, he was like, I do think you would be a good candidate for IVF. It's just that we need to have some embryos 
to test and make sure that we don't find any abnormalities with them. And only those embryos would be the one or ones that we would transfer. So it all tracked for us. It all made sense. But then it didn't matter anyways because of COVID shelter in place happened when we would take that next step and start IVF. So Mm -hmm. we were kind of in a holding pattern from like March until like the summer um, when things kind of opened back up. And I think Phil was really, really worried about like the financial implications of having to do IVF because it would be completely out of pocket for us. And, you know, what if the first cycle didn't work and we spent like tens of thousands of dollars and we certainly couldn't do more than one cycle, but even one cycle, if it was unsuccessful would be like a detriment financially to like the family we do have right now. So, you know, the, the RE, he's amazing. I'm like obsessed with him. He had said, can you get pregnant on your own and have a healthy pregnancy? Yes. Is there a strong possibility that you could get pregnant again and it could be another abnormal pregnancy? Yes. So if you want to try again naturally, really the only risk you run is potentially you could have another one of these pregnancies that results in miscarriage. And if you're willing to do that, you know, that that's really just like the heartbreak that you'll experience, but you could also have another normal pregnancy. So Phil was like, what if we try one more time? And if, if either one, we don't get pregnant, that's what he was thinking. Maybe if we don't get pregnant in like a few months, we can re-examine IVF. And I just was like, if my options are wait to see what happens with COVID, or try again and potentially have another miscarriage. Cause that's where I was at. I wasn't thinking we wouldn't get pregnant. I was thinking I could potentially have another miscarriage. I was like, well, I don't want to wait. So yeah. yes, let's just try again. And we tried again and true to form, I got pregnant a couple of months later. And at my eight week ultrasound is when we found out that it was most likely not a viable pregnancy because the baby was measuring like a week and a half behind. And I just basically, you know, for a couple of weeks, like would go back for ultrasound and they had me like physically hold my breath to make sure that they weren't picking up my heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And when I held my breath, then they could confirm that there was no heartbeat from the baby. And so then I was like, well, I can sure as shit tell you, I am not having another DNC. I will absolutely not because at that point it would be my third DNC. My first one being September, 2019, second one, January of 2020. And then my third would be literally at the end of August of 2020. I was like, no fucking way. Mm -hmm. So they had given me like the medication to have the miscarriage at home And I like slept in a room two floors away from my husband and Oliver so I could go through the process of like having the miscarriage with like some dignity by myself and nothing fucking happened. And so then she's like, well, you know, sometimes it doesn't work on the first try. Like we'll, we'll call it in again and um, do it again the next night. So then again, I slept in a different room with the bathroom and like went through it again and was like just up waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing happened. And so they were like, okay, we're going to give you a couple of weeks to try and have this miscarriage naturally. And if it doesn't happen, we are going to have to have another conversation. And so unfortunately, a couple of weeks later, nothing had happened. And I went back in for an ultrasound, nothing changed. Like the embryonic sac kind of shrunk just a little bit, kind of like caved in on one side, but like the like the baby was like still in the sack and nothing else had changed. And so they were like, I'm so sorry. At this point, you have to go in for a DNC. Like you can have an infection. Like we just, it's like for your health, like we have to do this. And so I just was like, okay. And so because of COVID, I, Phil could not be with me. He dropped me off. Exactly. The end of August of 2020. So just like a handful of months ago. So I went in, he dropped me off. He and Oliver dropped me off. And then I had like one of my really close friends, Heather, um, picked me up. You know, it, it wasn't really different. Like, yes, it was during COVID. So he couldn't be with me. But like, I'm the type of person that during like the most vulnerable time in my life, 
I am okay to be by myself in that moment. As long as I have like a care team around me, like it's not like I was nervous for my health. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had my fourth miscarriage. I had my third DNC. We had a reconsult with my RE, like actually a couple of days before my DNC. And he just was so nice and had his nurse call the day after my DNC, just to see how I was feeling. And then she was just like, give us a call when your period starts and we are going to get started. And so that's basically what we did. And at this point, you know, we had, I did my stem cycle, um, leading up to Thanksgiving. I had my retrieval the first week of December. We sent a few embryos for testing. A couple came back normal and I did an ERA just to kind of you know, make sure we're crossing, you know, T's dotting I's giving us yeah. a little more peace in mind. Um, I, I know we kind of previously talked about this, but I, I got my COVID vaccination, both mm-hmm. dosages. So now I'm just waiting for like my cycle day one to come back and hopefully be able to transfer. So that's yeah. kind of like, that's where I'm at. Allie. So you've got two embryos <laughs> on ice right now. Is that the case? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And do you know the gender or you won't find out or do you'll do. Find out yeah. I do. Okay. I do. You don't yeah, have to say I, if you don't want to. It's honestly it's it's interesting to me because I told you the three miscarriages after Oliver were all girls. Mm-hmm. And we sent three embryos for testing. One was abnormal and that was a girl. And the two that are normal and frozen are the same. <laughs> so so I kind of feel like I am meant to have a girl. Yeah. Um, just waiting. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Heidi and Heidi. You're the best girl. Thank you so much for doing this. A couple quick things. If you have not ever rated or reviewed this podcast, I would love it, love it, love it if you did. Just go to wherever you listen to the podcast. It takes two seconds, do a five-star rating and just a short review. Even if it's just a sentence, it really helps us get noticed in the podcast world. And secondly, if you are in this community and you are struggling, definitely check out Fertility Rally, which is the place I wish had existed when I was going through this. It was co-founded by Blair Nelson and myself. And we just, you know, wanted to make this space. It's a safe space. It's a non-judgmental space. And we've got content, curated events and community. And it is so awesome. So definitely check out Fertility Rally and DM me if you guys have any questions. I will talk to you next time. Thanks.